Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. When you recognize that there's so much value in just not talking and just listening, that people don't know how to listen. If you can just talk and you can listen, I've picked up gold in that. This is Property Investory, where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset, and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum, and in this episode, we continue the conversation with David Hall to delve deeper into the property investing strategies he implements in the soft market, what he does to help increase his clients' cash flows, why he believes one strategy doesn't just fit all and the important mindset perspectives and tricks that he's picked up along the way. Thinking back to last episode's conversation where Hall describes the property in his portfolio, Hall expands to share that in an ever-changing market, his strategy is to simply add value and layer strategy over strategy. If we take the Perth market at the moment, the Perth market's depressed um, and will be for the next six months. So I'm in a market where if I can find a problem and I know how to solve that problem, I'm not going to face competition. So when I'm buying today, and this will change as competition comes into the market, I'm actually looking to layer strategies into a purchase. I'm not just trying to buy one thing. I'm trying to buy multiple things in a deal. Off-market, under-market, subdivision, renovation. What can I do? Because in a soft market, you've basically got to avoid, you know, Sydney has had a great run of capital growth, which lifts you. In a soft market, you can't rely on capital growth. You've got to rely on manufactured growth. So that's what I've been doing in my portfolio, and that's what I've been doing for my clients. As the market changes, those deals will evaporate, but I'm very, very passionate about what can I do to a property to take it to a higher and better use to manufacture capital. He adds to this explaining why adding value is integral to your portfolio, especially in a soft market. That's what you've got to do to keep your portfolio moving is you've got to manufacture wealth. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, You can't wait for capital growth. Capital growth is easy, but it's dependent on the market. Um, manufacture growth is harder, but that's what you've got to do in a soft market. And why his strategies have proven successful so far. I'll give you an example. So um, I've got a client called Ben who is highly aggressive in property. He's young. He's um, high detail, analytical. He's an engineer. He's on a good income. Um, and he came to me and said, look, David, this is where I want to live I want a 1950s Californian bungalow. I don't want to live in it today, but my goal is in five years, I want to move into it. Um, And I want to do a renovation. So he's working FIFO. Um, He's a lot like me. He can't sit still and his wife 
will murder him if he just sits on the couch because he's destructive. So he said, this is what I want. So we looked at probably, got to the offer, I think we had written four unsuccessful offers, and then a property came onto the market. It was initially listed at 1.2 million in a suburb called Burswood. Now, Burswood's broken into two distinct sections. The northern part is near our casino and our new um, stadium, which is fantastic, and it's all modern. There is a strip of industrial, and there is a strip to the south that is um, on one side has a railway line, and on the other side has the cafe district. Very, very tightly held, but extremely undervalued. Um, it was initially listed for a um, sale at 1.2 million, failed to sell after four weeks, and then they went to an auction campaign which says immediately, ding, ding, motivated vendor. Because normally you would go to auction, then price. Um, went to auction, failed to get any bites. Um, I went to, because I, I like it in a falling market when properties stale, that's where the opportunity will generally lie. Went to the open home and was able, I, I'm very, very good at, at determining why a vendor wants to sell. There's a whole heap of skills that I've learned, and I was able to determine that the seller was in her 90s. She had lived in the home since it was built. Um, her and her husband had built it. Her husband had passed away, but she had osteoporosis. The house had six meters of, or the block had six meters of slope front to back, and she had to walk up and down a set of stairs to get to the washing line, to get to her laundry. And the family had basically said, Mum, you can't live in here anymore. We're really, really worried you're going to have a fall. You need to move. You've got more than enough equity. You need to downsize. Um, and from what I could gather, the osteoporosis was very bad and the family was motivated. So after some interesting negotiations and some back and forwards and a really good selling agent, I'll give him his credit, really worked hard for the vendor we were able to get a deal across the line at 925000 While lowering the purchase price is certainly one strategy he uses to save his clients money, there are also a number of other strategies he has in place to increase their cash flow. In Perth, um, you'll find that these Californian bungalows, supposed to have a three-bed, two-bath Californian bungalow, and right next door to it was to be a modern build, three beds, two bath. There's 250,000 more for the older house. Strong demand. Character homes really, really loved here. So my client, so first one, step one, under market buy. Next layer was um, he undertook a renovation on the house. So we were able to identify that we could convert the house from a three bed, one bath to a four-bed, two-bath. Um, the master bedroom was massive. It was 25 square metres. So he was able to put an ensuite into that. He dropped an internal wall, made it open plan, did a tenant sympathetic renovation. And that renovation is different to what you would do for an owner-occupier product. Okay? So more cost-effective, but still created that well factor. So when you live now through the changes he made, you're in the dining room, stunning city and river views. So the next step was the renovation. 
that created value. The, the third step in the journey was converting it from a 3-1 to a 4-2. What we were also able to identify, um, and we had to get a um, survey done on the property, and it literally came down to 20 millimetres we were within, is the property was what we call a retain and build. So the backyard was pretty close to jungle, and Ben's very, very hands-on. So he removed an asbestos garage, um, a gazebo, and what was a lower-level lounge all by himself. And on there, he built two townhouses, four-bed, two-bath. Despite these builds costing a fair bit of money and taking 20 months to complete, Hall explains what his client did with them and the benefits it provided. Each one cost them 330000 That's six metres of slope. So I actually don't know how, when you look at these builds, I do not know how the builder made money on this, but he swears to me he did. Um, it's a builder, I referred him to a builder who does the bulk of my client's work, not because he's cheap, but because he's honest and he does what he says he'll do. So the next add value in this was turning it from one property into three. Um, what we did is once the build was completed, the bank valuer came in, he valued each new build at 730000 creating $400,000 of equity in each. My client spent 100000 on the renovation, and the bank valued the front house at 860000 Now, I, that valuation to me is too high, but we'll take it. Um, and then the final thing, so that's layer four is the retain and build. The final layer is we – he, through um, a mutual acquaintance that I met through a networking group, he has now rented the two new builds as rent by the room. So market rent in today's market for those new builds is four fifty five hundred a week. I believe, and I'd have to check this, he's getting above 900 for each dwelling rent by the room. The front house – he is renting as a traditional rental for 500 a week. So that property for him has created a lot of capital. It's positive cash flow. And I would love his mad king to go again, but because of credit, he no longer services. He's got leases, but the bank says, no, no, we can't consider that. We're going to take market lease of 500. We're now going to discount that. Oh, you're on contract. We'll discount that. Oh, you've got some other property. And he doesn't service. But that to me was a fantastic property. And there was four or five layers in that deal. While this renovation and value-adding strategy certainly proved successful, Hall shares that in the Perth market, finding similar properties to execute this strategy isn't always easy. Well, Perth has a lot of stock on market. Quality is very scarce. So in the weekend, I looked at a property that was, I'll give you an example, was advertised as three bed, two bath. Land value for that property is 400000 It's a retain and build. Went to the open home, discovered that the selling agent couldn't count bathrooms. It was only one bath. Um was worth a crack, but there was just too much competition on it. Like that property went first weekend, other people saw it, but, you know, went. As a result of this, Hall often changes his approach and strategies when dealing with different properties, adding value through various ways. 
in that same suburb three months ago, I got a really, really good off-market deal. Um, corner block, which I, I, re- I, I can't say no to a good corner block, took six weeks to negotiate it because of not the agent, but because of the seller. Um, very good retain and build. So this property has a huge asbestos shed on it that's three bays. Um, so the strategy to get this one neutral was basically there's an app, and I've forgotten the name. It's a bit like an Uber for storage. Chop each three bays, rent each bay, long-term tenant, and the tenant's enrolled in the private school around the corner, um, who's staying there, swimming pool. It's a four-one. The suburb is mainly three-ones. We put a new kitchen in it to keep the tenant happy and to keep them sticky because the current tenant uh, kitchen was ghastly. Um, my cl- client, soon after we purchased that home, actually lost his job. Um, he's now back at work. But what we will do is um, once he's ready, we're going to demolish um, the existing garage. We're going to build a new 3-2 home on there. That will create him capital, but he's strung by serviceability at the moment. Um, what we'll do at a later date is drop the existing house and put another, three, another two 3-2s on it. So we're taking a plan A, cut, make capital, neutral income. At a later date, drop the existing house, take another cut of income and capital. Talking about the stock in the Perth market in general, he sheds light on how to find valuable properties. There's still potential. The issue is, is what I'm seeing is a rising amount of stock, but good stock that's listed as goes on market is still transacting first week. If it's good quality stock and it's properly priced, it's gone first week. If it's overpriced, that's where the opportunity lies. Thinking about his portfolio now, Hall gives us some insight into types of properties he's purchased and why. I've just sold, I was in a US commercial syndicate, so I've just sold that down to buy a property I'll tell you about in a second. I've got land in Fiji. Um, and that's part of my retirement plan. I've got properties in Cooper PD and I've got a fair bit of properties within Perth. Um, but look, I'll give you an example. So I recognised an opportunity and it's sadly bolted now. Um, through So Momentum Wealth has its own research and he's really, really good. So we were able to identify early on in the market the prices in Caratha had moved so that the market had passed bottom and was now moving. Um, Jumped on a plane, spent four days in town, spoke to all the agents, went to some open homes, and very, very clear through the research I undertook in the field that that market was about to go gangbusters. While I was there, I identified a number of things. So the market in Caratha fell because of the downturn. Both So Caratha is a very diverse for, for a mining town. It has oil and gas. It has some agricultural load as a small chunk, and it has iron ore. So Caratha was hit badly because both mining and the gas market collapsed simultaneously. Usually, they're counter-cyclical. Um, and what I identified, so if you were to jump on SIG today, you'll find somewhere between eleven to 1,300 jobs going in Caratha. Wow, that's a lot. What's the working population of Caratha? I don't know. I don't know that area at all. It's probably less Six than Six and a half thousand workers. Wow, okay. 
and there's somewhere between 11 to 1300 jobs going. So went to a few open homes, spoke to every single agent in town and got a very, very consistent story. Um, so the story is, is, look, all investors have disappeared. Everyone in town is buying. They're all locals. There's been a change in policy. So this is where a change creates opportunity, whereby the mining and gas companies no longer offer a rental assistance package. Instead, what they're offering is a mortgage um, assistance package. So what's happened, and that was deliberate, so that's to create a sense of community, to create a more vibrant town. And having been there 10 years beforehand and it was pretty ghastly town, and you go there today and it's totally different. The rental owner-occupiers look after homes better than rentals through Brendan Grills and the Royalties to Region. There's been a major investment in community infrastructure. And honestly, it's a town you'd want to live in versus a town 10 years ago. You, you, you just get in, get out. Um, and then what's happened is, so we've seen tenants become owner-occupiers, taking advantage of homes that were selling for a million to 1.2 million and picking them up for 250000 and when, when you're getting $30,000 a year in mortgage assistance, it's, a, it, it, it's total no-brainer. So I can pay rent or I can buy this and put money into my pocket from their mortgage assistance. Total no-brainer. So what's happened, though, and what we're able to identify is that that mortgage imposition stock was drying up. And I actually underestimated the speed of the dry up. So I was able to determine that the aggregator, who is the person who works for the banks, um, had basically was leaving town um, a month after I got there. Good indication that the bulk of his work is done. But the feedback from the agents was, no, nah, we've still got six months of mortgagee and possession stock, don't worry. And that he was actually been moved to Sydney, <laughs> <laughs> which says a lot. Yeah. Um, so I thought I had six months of buying. Um, so basically, we've now purchased four properties, and that's because, once again, I'm dealing with a mindset of fear from my clients. So my clients have been reading articles saying it's buggered, they're not on the ground, oh, Karatha, oh, I don't want to go there. Coming up after the break, we'll find out why he approaches each of his properties with a different strategy. The intent is so we've um, established six leading indicators for that market. When five or four of those indicators go negative, we'll be exiting. So we're not holding this property. How a shift in mindset changes entire life. I used to be that negative person prior to Jill. I used to look down at things. Look, and I think the thing that Jill has really taught me is emotional intelligence. And that's next. I'm Tyne Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. Paul shares the story about property he's bought in Karatha and the strategy he has in place to get the most profit out of it. The first property I picked up was for myself and my super fund. The house is four beds, four baths, four kitchens, four lounges. It was specifically built as workers' accommodation. 
It was built in 2012, and I picked that up for $321,000. i am getting $850 a week rent on it. Um, from what I've been able to determine, and, it, um, and it's come off RP data, the previous owner paid 860000 to build it plus land cost. Okay, so building there is mind-numbingly expensive. Um, but, you know, that, and I put that deal in my super fund. That's also a really, really nice cash flow. The intent is so we've um, established six leading indicators for that market. When five or four of those indicators go negative, we'll be exiting. So we're not holding this property. Um, if I believe I can sell that for 900, if the agent sentiment is negative, if the speed of the increase in rental prices drops, um, that property will be t um, turned over and sold. Yeah, okay. Wow, that's phenomenal. I mean, like it, it, it's something that I guess you just got to, you know the market really well. That's my job. That's what I do. And look, the, the scary thing is um, you know, that property took six months to settle because it was mortgagee in possession. But now what we're seeing is like one home that I went to, um, not an investment product, an owner-occupier product, um, first open home, 40 couples through it, seven offers. Next week, very similar home, 60, six, zero couples through it first open, 17 offers. They're all locals. They're all owner-occupiers. But now it's gone, in six months, it's gone from, hey, I'm the only person that you're speaking to, to now everything's competitive. Or it's a problem. You, you know, yeah, the, the opportunity there is the problem properties. Having been through some trying times, Hall shares that his desire to build a property portfolio stems from a shift in mindset that he experienced after tutoring with Jill. My current wife lost her first husband very tragically to an awful cancer. It took him 20 years to die. My first wife um, has severe mental illness. Um, and to the point where she, she doesn't now, she lost custody of our son, she was institutionalized, and it was a really, really horrific time for both of us. This is before we met. Um, the outcome of that um, and some tutoring from Jill was we can either go, the world's fucked, life's unfair, it's miserable, or we can go, this is the gift, we're very fortunate, let's take advantage of this and let's do good things with it. And um, that's what we have done. Um, my wife is very motivated. I'm highly motivated. Neither of us, we're horrible on holiday. We can't sit still. Um, and we've decided to make property and we do some other things as well as part of our journey in life together. Um, she does educational resources and I love my wife. I go, I found a property, I want to buy it. And she doesn't even care anymore. She just says, go buy it. He adds that beyond a shift in perspective, a vital part of his success also comes from being more positive and working with what you have. I used to be that negative person prior to Jill. I used to look down at things. Look, and I think the thing that Jill has really taught me is emotional intelligence. So um, 
you know, an example. Oh, shit, that client didn't want that house. It's an amazing deal. I'm so angry. I'm so frustrated. Oh, that client missed a golden opportunity. Now I'll make four calls and I'll get another client for that house. And mindset is everything. And I've now also picked up a coach through a man called Gavin Hegney, who's a well-known Perth property commentator. And I think the next thing from I've got out of Gavin is change is inevitable, change is constant. How can I profit from change? Using a current example, Hall explains one way his coaches have helped him approach negative seeming situations in different ways. So we take an example is um, if the Royal Commission is instituted and that broker people now have to pay for brokers, um, sad and I, I think it's a very, very retrograde step. Uh, my broker last month saved me $1,500 a month on mortgage repayments. Um, I love her to bits. She's amazing. Removing that to me is going to be a huge negative to investors and homeowners. It's a really negative step. It is. But he said – Oh, it is. It's, it, it's, um, and I found it really infuriating that the head of the CBA was on, um, quoted in the media saying the removal of brokers is going to be a great thing for, in, you know, for clients. It's not. People are going to pay so much more. I mean, I look at cross collateralization. Um, and I have a client with 10 properties who was dealing with a bank. Every single property is cross collateralized with the other. That's not his best interests. That's the bank's interest. You know, it took us four months to uncross five of them. It just – and move them to other lenders, and we saved him a fortune. Um, you know, it's, it's just a negative step. But, you know, so Gavin says um, to me, here's a change coming. If it comes, the banks are no longer going to have enough internal brokers. The, the, the opportunity is – to, take, to set up an employment agency, take those brokers who, and convert them into bank workers. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that's the way that Gavin thinks and that's what he's given me. So, um, and the, the thing is, every um, if I take my first wife, very, very averse to change. My current wife, not affected by change. We'll look at it, we'll analyse it and we'll spot the opportunity that change presents and then try and turn it to our advantage. And look, it's mindset and adapting to change that I've got out of coaching. Um, and I, I couldn't be what I'm doing without it. Yeah, it's why mindset can be so pivotal to one's success in life. The funny thing is I could lose everything tomorrow. If I had the property but the poor mindset, I'd be destitute. I wouldn't know what to do. And I, I'm really, really thankful that through my knowledge, through my expectation, if I lost everything tomorrow, I could get up and going inside six, eight months again because I've got the mindset and the knowledge. Aside from coaches, however, Hall shares with us the life-changing books that have also impacted his journey so far. Two life-changing books. And it's interesting. Sometimes fate throws things in your way at specific times. You know, if they'd come earlier, you, you wouldn't have got it. So you've heard this a lot of times, rich dad, poor dad, just got me going. And then the other one, The Richest Man in Babylon. Great books. Classics. Great books. Absolute classics. But guess what they all lead to? It's mindset. It's that ability to think. What is an asset? 
you know, um, I, I've been trying really hard to educate my children. And I, the formula for wealth is actually really easy, but no one does it. No one educates people. And the formula for wealth is spend less than you earn, invest the rest. But everyone spends more than that than they earn and gets into trouble. Um you know, and that, that's one book. It's short. It's probably, what, 40 to 60 pages. It's a great story. But, and you know, I've got 12-year-olds reading it. And, you know, our education system doesn't have that book, doesn't teach 20-year-olds that. Reflecting on his past, Hall also shares what he thinks is the best advice he's ever received. Um, go forth and buy land, my son, for they ain't making it no more. <laughs> yeah, um, so and that true. was my dad when I was six. Wow. That it still rings true. It's very It still very... rings true. Look, that's the reason, part of the reason why I bought my, bought my first house at 19. And why mentoring is the personal habit he believes has contributed to his success. I think the single biggest personal habit is mentoring. Um, that is, it's a ritual, it's a habit, and I'm very fortunate. When I've got a problem and I don't know how to solve it, it's a phone call to one of three or four people. And, you know, that, that to me is, here's a roadblock. And like I found sometimes you're so close to the problem, you can't see through it. Whereas someone external goes, have you thought of? And it's like, oh, smack head on wall. You are so right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So for me, it's the habit of mentoring and staying in touch with people who are, you know, I I, I like being the dumbest person in the room. Mm. And that's where you learn the most because… Yeah, but it's taken a long time to develop that network and those people that I can talk to. It's not easy. It's something a lot of people talk about. But to be the dumbest person in the room, it's not easy. It's been very, probably the the hardest challenge I've faced. When you recognize that there's so much value in just not talking and just listening, that people don't know how to listen. If you can just talk and you can listen, it's, oh, I've picked up gold in that. While listening to others has played an important role in his life, Hall shares that there is advice he would have liked his younger self to listen to. Don't be an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and once again, the person I am today to the person I am 10 years ago was very different. Wow. My mindset was highly negative, highly critical of both myself and others. Um, and I'm now very thankful that I'm not that person. But I would, if I learned that lesson when I was 15, which is when it started, I would be, my world today would be exponentially better. Um, My attitude held me back from so much in life. Thinking to the future, Horst shares what he's most excited about in his future property journey. The Perth market. Um, We've still got six falling months. um, But however, we've got rapidly, and it's just the speed of the change in the rental market is just jaw-dropping. We've got a rapidly recovering rental market. We've got, we're going to have a chronic shortage of jobs. And at the same time, credit is going to get released sometime in the next 12 months. 
um, if they were to re- reduce the servicing criteria from 75 to 7.8% to 6.5%, and I believe that will happen, the Perth market is going to go. We have underbuilt properties. We have a chronic shortage of rentals. Um, we've had builders, last year we had over 250 builders go bankrupt. We've not been training trades for the building industry. Um, we have the prospect of negative gearing holding back a lot of housing stock for owner-occupiers. Um, I think the next the, the next 12 months, 2019 is going to be a quiet year, but 2020, this market is going to explode. And I'm going to be insanely busy. On a more reflective note, Hall explains whether he believes his success has occurred to, due to skill, intelligence and hard work, or rather luck. I would say 80% of it is hard work and bloody-mindedness, and 20% of it is being in the right place at the right time and having the right connections. Um, I, not, I'll be honest with you, we've had four years of a falling housing market, um, and we've seen a lot of the unskilled, the unsophisticated, and quite honestly, the shonky depart the market, and I'm holding in. Um, so, you know, there's nothing like adversity to test your mettle. Thank you so much to David Hall, our guest on this episode of Property Investory. If you want to hear more about his journey, then visit our website at propertyinvestory.com. 